Let's take our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I had th- this distinct thought about candy. I thought, when I get older, I'm going to, if I ever get $50, I'm going to the store and I'm going to spend it all on candy. And uh, now I'm not going to spend 50 cents on candy. But anybody had that thought? Man, what must it be like to have money? And I'm just going to buy anything I want. You know, as time went on, my mind changed. And now when I look at candy, I add weight. But, uh, but back then, man, you could just down it. Bucket loads of candy. And, of course, if you wanted kids to do anything, candy is the key. It's, it's the currency of kids. Candy. But as you get older, things change. Your mindset changes. You remember, we talk about seeing Christmas through the eyes of kids. And, you know, there's a reason we use that phrase, because kids do really sense that. I remember the first time I heard, I think it was the first time, that I heard, Oh, Holy Night. And there was something just unique and warm and bright and powerful about that song. And I still love it today. And, uh, but I think about the, when, in the morning of Christmas and how exciting it's going to be. You know, as you get older, of course, you become a cynic. Ah, you know, it just costs money. And uh, turn into a Scrooge. I was teasing Brother Chanu about being a Scrooge. And he said, I'm not really a Scrooge. I'm more of a Grinch. So, and uh, that's better. I think that's better. But uh, it's, it's interesting how time over time you change. And then, you know, you couldn't have a good Christmas story. I know uh, Hallmark movies, Brother Mark, I know all about you and your vice. <laughs> Amen. He shared one with me. That survived the fire, by the way. It came through our house fire, that, that movie. And uh, he was still saying, where is it? You got to pay me for it. And, and uh, no, he didn't say that. But... Uh, but, but there's a, there, you can't have a, a, a Christmas movie unless you have an, a contrast between what everybody thinks is the schmarmy, you know, innocence of uh, one side and then the hard, cold, bitter, critical, I really hate my life and everybody around me side. And then over time, you see a combination or a mixing of those things. And the people maybe lose their innocence a little bit. They realize that, yeah, there's sacrifice involved and there's reality. And then the person who's hard bitten kind of calms down and says, you know, I have some things to be grateful for. And uh, as I think about the, this time frame of Christmas now, uh, um, as an adult, and now a grandbaby coming in next in the next year, and and things change throughout your life. You don't stay in the same mindset. You move back and forth. And interestingly enough, this phrase, this concept, is found in the phrase that we're going to look at in the book of Philippians, chapter four. And I'm really excited to preach to you about this because I've it's helped me a lot. And I'm hoping that it's going to help you. It says in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 5, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And so we see moderation. We think about moderation. What does it mean? Well, let me say simply, moderation is the quality of being medium. Medium. Not extreme one way or the other. In the middle. Temperate. 
It's controlled. It's guided. It's governed. It is regulated or restrained. It's moderate. Okay, so how much money should we spend on Christmas? All of it. (laughs) Spend it all. And money that you don't have. Put your great-grandchildren in debt. Well, you know, at some point, you gotta, you got to have some restraint, right? But it's interesting. It's, it's not, the Christian is never asked or called to be self-controlled. We are supposed to be spirit-controlled. Spirit-control is different than self-control. Because with self-control, I'm deciding what I want to do or what I don't want to do. How much is too much? How little is too little? But in the case of moderation, we're talking about spirit control guidance. But it's, it's medium. It's actually connected etymologically. Etymologically. There's a word for you. That means the root of that word. What, how it did it become that word? It's connected with the word accommodate. It's connected with medium. It's even connected with medical. It's, it, it's the appro- taking appropriate measures. That's what we hope when we go to the hospital, that the doctor will take appropriate measures. Not too much, not too little, but moderation. To know what it is that needs to be done and to do just that. It's the quality of being medium. And it, it is finding the bridge. It goes, it's, it's not just finding the difference between two extremes. In other words, two bad things. The Christian actually is supposed to be moderate because the Christian is made up of two worlds. Okay, so moderation is the bridge between two worlds. That's where it's supposed to be. You'll hear people say, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. You ever heard that before? You know, the opposite is true as well. You can be so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. Well, what, is it, what am I supposed to be? Well, I'm a citizen of two worlds. The Bible says in Psalm 26, 12, my foot standeth in an even place. A false balance is abomination to the Lord. So I want you to understand here, it's, it's balance, but it's not just where I consider that I should live my life in balance. It is an understanding that I, am, I have two different citizenships as a believer, and it is the Holy Spirit that I'm yielding to to help me navigate those two worlds. A just weight is his delight. So a Christian can be said to be half here, half there. And if you find someone who is half here, half there, you find a balanced Christian. You, you, you're going to see a Christian whose moderation is known. Moderation. We're not talking about compromise with sin. Compromise actually is a joint promise to abide by an arbiter's decision. In other words, you have these two different opposing worlds, and you have an arbiter in between, and he says, you promise, you promise, okay. That's not what we're talking about. Because I'm not looking at heaven saying, okay, you promise, and I look at the world, you promise, okay, I'm the one. No, the truth is, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Both of these worlds are part of who I am. Both of these, what we might call extremes, I live in them. And we'll see more as we go along, but I want you to get this in your head. It's not compromise with sin. Is it okay to commit adultery in moderation? 
No. Can, can, you, can you kill someone in moderation? No. Uh, we're not talking about assaulting a woman in moderation. No, that's not what, what the principle is here. We're not talking about moderating sin. Moderation is navigating two separate truths through the mind of Christ. It's the quality of being in the middle. In fact, we find that moderation truly is the mind of Christ. You'll see it here. Look at chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Now this may take you a while to, uh, to, to meditate on, to chew on, to think about. It, ha- it, it has for me. Don't you get tired of having to choose? Don't you get tired of having to say, okay, enough of that. I need to back off. I need to go over here. But you know, Christ himself, he had this concept of moderation. Look at this, verse 6, chapter 2, verse 6. Who being in the form of God, Jesus Christ was God. He's, he is the form of God. Not that he was a form of God. He was the form of God. What did God look like? He looked like Jesus. In the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, verse 6 says he was in the form of God, now he's found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself. And by the way, people get confused between fashion and form. And they say well, Jesus was in the fashion of God or he was, looked like God. No, he was the form of God. But he became a man, and he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let me ask you a question. Who made Jesus do that? Who can make God do anything? No one. Jesus, on purpose, chose to do it. He's in the form of God. He chose to become a man. And it says... He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He didn't just come and hang out for a week at Disney and like, I get what it's like being a human. You know, not, not as good as heaven, but pretty cool. That's not what he did. He came and he lived and died, not just as a man, he died as a criminal. You want to talk about the breadth of human experience. He got condemned to death row and he went all the way to execution. There was no courts to appeal to. The Bible says when he was in the court, he opened not his mouth. When he was reviled, reviled not again. Jesus didn't even fight it. He went all the way and, and, and he died on this cross. However, verse number 9 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. All right, so you see moderation. What is that? That's two different worlds that Jesus Christ was a part of. He chose it on purpose. Okay, now I need to break this down for you. Uh, we're going we're to continue going. Stay with me now. He went from being prince to criminal, and then he is going to be crowned as king. He chose these different worlds. You see, one of the challenges is this. You want to live as a human. We want to just get in a thing, a position, and a role, and just be in that. And, and so we're comfortable being a kid, and then we have to grow up, and we have to start taking responsibility. Okay. And then we have to get out of high school, and now we have to take care of, well, what are we going to do with our lives? I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. 
We've got to think about it. What are we going to do? Okay, when we finally figure out what we're going to do, then somebody else comes along and becomes our, you know, promised, you know, perfect person and significant other, and then now our lives change again. Okay, now we've got to factor that in. Okay, fine, we're, we're married. Okay, we're together. You and I, it's you and me, it's you and me. Boom, something happens and another human pops somewhere. Now we have to factor the human in. Okay, now we're doing good, all right? We'll put everything... Oh, another human comes out. You know, you start out, you're going to pour everything into them, you're going to love them, you're going to spend all this time, you're going to read them every book, and you're going to spend all this time in every park in, the, in, in Toledo. And then the second and the third one comes along, you're like, just get on the truck. Let's get out of here. Everybody go to McDonald's. Are you happy now? You got your happy meal because it's supposed to make you happy. Well, what's gonna, who's going to buy me a happy meal, right? So you're, you're, you're navigating all this stuff as a parent. And then finally, they, they start getting older. Now they, they don't, not only do they not need you as much, they don't want you as much. And they want to hang out with other people. Can I go? And now you're navigating that. You're trying to figure out, okay. And then they start getting older and older and older. And they start, uh, you know, leaving the house, right? You're constantly adjusting. You know what we want to do? We want to lock in and say, this is where I am. But the Lord never allows it. Because you continue to go and go and go and life changes. And we're supposed to let our moderation be known unto all men. What are we moderating? Not, not just be moderate in the sense that I'm just a doorpost. I'm a cigar store Indian. I just, my moderation. No, no, it's moderating between two different things. Two separate truths. Okay, so how many of you would say, um, everybody here is a son or a daughter. How many would say, I am also, I am or I have been a spouse. You're also that. Okay, how many would say, I'm also an uncle or an aunt? Raise your hand. How many would say, I'm also, uh, 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 I'm a niece and a nephew? Or a nephew. Probably not both. Although today, you never know. People can, you know, whatever you need. Um, how many are say, I'm a grandpa or grandma now? All right. How many, how many could say, uh, you still, still living, have grandparents living? I'm a grandchild, granddaughter, grandson. See, all those different things, those different roles, you don't get to choose which one you are. Once you are in that position, that relationship, you have to navigate that. Moderation is navigating. So if you're a grandparent, you can't spend all your time with your grandkid. You've got to remember, you're also married. That's important. Amen? Some of you may not realize that. That's important. I live for my grandkids. Well, you shouldn't. You should live for the Lord if you're saved, number one. And then you should keep it all in moderation. It's easy to say. It's hard to do. But that's what it is. You see, I want you to look at chapter 4, verse 12. This idea of moderating between separate truths is Christ's mind. He says in chapter 4, verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You know, some of us, are, we do a lot better when we're, when we're struggling financially than when we have a windfall. Some people do better when they have a windfall. 
You know what the Lord says? The mind of Christ can be poor or rich. And by the way, the psalmist said, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. If you want to pray, Lord, make me rich or make me poor, just here's what you ought to pray. Lord, don't make me rich or poor. But if you put me in a position where I am poor or I am rich, I can do all things through Christ. Well, I just want to be healthy. Well, what if God doesn't allow me to be healthy? What if God lets you be sick? Well, I can't believe in a God who would... Listen, the Lord allowed Lazarus to die. He could have come. And Martha said, you should have been here. My brother wouldn't have died. The Lord allows sickness sometimes. So that the glory of God can be seen in our lives. I don't know all the answers to it, but I know this. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I know how to be in charge, and I know how to take an order. That's what Jesus did. He was in charge, and he became a man. Over and over again, we see this. Jesus is that mindset of moderation. He is the middle ground. I want you to take your Bibles to, uh, let's see here. Look at John chapter 1. We're going to look at several scriptures today, so hang on. Take notes if you can, and go back and look at them if you, if you need to. But I want you to see that Jesus, as this moderation understanding, He is the middle ground between law and grace. Look at John chapter 1, verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. There's a distinction found in Christ. See, that law was given, that strictness of the law was given to show us our inability. But God expected people to follow it, not just in the letter. And there were people who did follow in the letter. He expected us to follow it in the spirit. But the law was given by Moses. God intended for people to follow it. And then grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. What's interesting in here is not that Jesus said, you don't need the law. I stiff arm the law. Get away from me, law. No, he embraced the law and he fulfilled the law. Now you and I, we can, we can look at the law as the expression of God's character that is in us. I'm not trying to keep the law so I can be Christ-like. I have the mind of Christ in me, the one who fulfilled the law perfectly. You ever have a sibling that was, you know, the goody two-shoes? The one that did everything right? Mom and dad's favorite. Teacher's favorite. You know what? You would say, well, they always just doing the right thing so people will like them. Not like you. You did whatever you wanted because you didn't give a rip. Right? <laughs> You're so much better than them, I guess. <laughs> Right? We all had ways that we thought, this is better, or that's better. You know, when it comes to it, though, Jesus Christ and the law, he didn't look at that and say, oh, it was stupid. Jesus wrote the law. It was his law to begin with. He fulfilled it as a human being, and he said, I've got another level for you that goes beyond the law. It's actually not the written guidelines outside that you look at and follow. It's the guidelines on your heart. He said he was going to write their law, his law, on their hearts. And when you become a child of God, he puts not just the law, he puts the guy, the, the man, the person who wrote the law inside of you. A lot of Christians are confused about this. They think, the law, we don't need the Old Testament. That's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. It's an expression 
the written expression of who God is. In fact, you and I don't know anything about who God is outside of the written word of God. And so the Old Testament law was fulfilled in Christ. He is the fulfillment of the law, and he is inside of you. So what do you do? Well, I don't know how to, how to live for this as a Christian. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You're supposed to yield to the mind of Christ, who is the meeting place, the middle ground, the moderation of law and grace. You know, what's, when, when Jesus, you don't have to turn there, if you, you can if you want, Luke chapter 2, very quickly, Jesus, when he was 12 years old, he went to the temple. And, and his parents lost him, or his mother and his stepfather, they lost him. And what happened? They, she said, I have sought for you sorrowing. They finally found him. When she found him, she said, she said uh, you know, why have you done this? And you know what? They found Jesus. You know where he was? The Bible says in Luke 2, 46, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, people who come up with doctrine, teaching, in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Jesus is navigating two separate truths. The authority of those that are, that are in positions of leadership, but also his authority as the Son of God. He is hearing them and he's asking them questions. He is the moderation. The mindset of moderation is Jesus Christ and the actions that he took. It's navigating two separate truths through the mind of Christ. The law said sin requires a payment. Grace says Jesus paid it all. And that offering is a free gift because Jesus paid it all. You, well, God doesn't expect that anymore. Oh, yes, he does expect it. But he knows that you and I cannot fulfill it, so he offers it as a free gift. Because someone did fulfill it. Why would, you, why would God expect you to pay for your own salvation if Jesus already paid it all? He doesn't expect you to pay for it. He doesn't expect, expect you to earn it. As if you could. A lot of people talk about, I just keep the Ten Commandments, and they can't even name them, number one. And number two, if they're honest with themselves, they'd say, I'm not keeping them. So what's your plan for getting to heaven? Uh, I've got a plan. I haven't read it yet, and I'm not keeping it even if I read it. It's not a very good idea. Well, you don't think Jesus wants to keep the commandments? No, of course he wants us to keep them. How do you keep them? Not by trying to become a child of God, but by obeying and yielding to your father, your actual father. Not the one who is going to become your father when you finally stack up enough good works, the one who is your father. And it's all about the grace of God because Jesus fulfilled the law. You should feel unworthy when you think about what Jesus has done for you. Take your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Not only is he is the middle ground, the bridge between law and grace, he is the bridge between Jew and Gentile. Jew and Gentile. Ephesians 2.11. If you continue on going back uh, towards the right, you'll find it very close to Philippians. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Without Christ... As strange as an outer space alien would be to us, that's what we were to God. That's what we were to Israel. 
strangers. But now, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. That's what they just sang. Who hath made both, Gentiles and Israel, one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Where did that law go? For to make in himself of twain, Jew and Gentile, one new man, so making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. We talk about uh, distinctions in class. We talk about racial distinctions. You know the greatest racial distinction there's ever been has been between Jew and Gentile. Why? Well, there's, there's no race of people that can say, we are God's chosen people except for the Jews. Jews said, we are all that and a bag of chips, pita chips. Why? God said so. You know, it's interesting. Here in America, we fight over all kinds of things. Arguing, it, it, that's not even the fight that God's concerned with. But you know, any kind of distinction you can make in race or class or, or income in, in America and talk about how, yeah, they got everything, we got nothing, or they think they're so great and we're back and forth fighting all that, it pales in comparison to the great gulf that was fixed between Jew and Gentile. Why? Because God said there's a difference. These are my people. You know what's amazing? Jesus became the middle ground between Jew and Gentile. He absorbs both into his body. And how dare we make a distinction? You see, if, you, if your number one distinction is your background, your heritage, your race, you're not living like a Christian. The number one distinction, the number one marker for an identity in, in a believer's life is Jesus Christ. My new life in Christ. Not my hard work and discipline and character. Not where I live in town. Not the size of my house or car, or position that I hold at my job, that's not your number one marker of identity. How do you know what it is? Well, it's what you think is your card that you hand to people, not necessarily physically, but verbally. It's the vibe you give off. That's what you think your identity is. It's what you talk about in conversations. It's what you show people pictures of. It's what is kind of your thing. You know, I may never have done this, but this is what I have done. As a believer, Lord, so those things are off the table. What's most important is your identity in Christ. And the Lord has, he pulls races together, national identities, he will pull them together. It's amazing what Jesus Christ can do. Notice he says in verse 16 that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. What happened to the fight? He killed it. He killed the fight between Jew and Gentile. He came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Jesus is the bridge. Moderation is the mind of Christ. Navigating two separate truths through the mind of Christ. Take your Bibles back to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse number 15. I want you to see next, moderation is the bridge between lost and saved. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. Let your moderation be known on all men, he said in chapter 4. Now in chapter 2, verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, where? Let's say it together, church. Where is it? Three words, again, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. In the midst, among whom. Where is that? Y'all, that's right in the middle. Right in the middle. Moderation is navigating two separate truths through the mind of Christ. I am in this world. And hey, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm ready to get out of this world. But God has me here on purpose. Who decides when you die? Is it wrong to commit suicide? Yes, it is. It's a sin. Is it wrong to mentally think about your death all the time and hope for it? Well, I don't think about that. I just think about getting out of here. And that is the blessed hope, the rapture of Christ. But I'm asking you this. A lot of Christians, they're more interested in getting out of, the, of, of this earth than they are about seeing Jesus. You know there's a distinction, right? Like, you're not going to get up there and have like a nice Airbnb off by yourself somewhere when you get to heaven. We're going to be surrounding the throne of God. Heaven is all about Jesus. And so Jesus, he has a desire to have you with him, but right now he has us here in the midst of a crooked and perverse. We've got a bunch of crooks and perverts in this world, don't we? And he wants us to be in the midst of them, not moderating sin. No, no, navigating two truths. One, I have to live in this wicked world. That's one truth. The second truth it's the light of God in me shining in the middle of the darkness. Moderation is navigating these two different things. Understanding that I live in a wicked world that hates Jesus Christ. Many of you work with people who use Jesus Christ's name as a cuss word. Why? It's a powerful name. Men swear by the greater. That's the reason why they use it. They don't swear by Donald Trump. They may hate him. But they don't say it as a cuss word. Most people don't. Some, some people swear by Joe Biden, right? But you know, people understand that they're, they're, those are just humans. There's power in the name of Jesus. Why do people swear? Because his name is powerful. But you know, doesn't it rub against you? They're not saying it because they honor him and, and revere him. They don't care anything about him. They, they, they're putting all kinds of junk in their body. The stuff they listen to and the stuff they watch and the way they act and inter interact with one another, it can be disgusting as a believer. We want to say it's, ew. We used to say, they, they have cooties. It's grody. You want to get away from these nasty people. But the Lord has us here in the midst of this. Why? Because there's a separate truth. God wants me to share the good news that can save anyone. Because such were some of you, but you're washed. You see, we aren't, weren't always in the, in the family of God. God had to put us in there. How did he do it? By bringing someone along that could hold their nose just long enough to get close to us to help us understand who Jesus is. They didn't have to take a drag on the cigarette. They didn't have to tip back a bottle or six in order to get close. But they had to get close to us. The Bible calls them ministers of Christ. Even as the Lord gave to every man. People who God uses to reach other people. That's moderation. 
It's recognizing that this world is wicked, but I have a job to be in this wicked world so I can see people one to Christ. Moderation is the bridge between lost and saved. We're going to get even closer now here. Moderation is the bridge between believers. Look at chapter 4, verse 2. I beseech Iodias and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind. The same mind. The Christian life is not about what distinguishes me from other people. You know the problem with these two ladies? I'm sure if you talk to them individually, they would say, I don't, I don't have a problem. She's the one that has the problem. Why? This is what I want to do. Is that so bad? I don't understand why it's such a bad thing that I want. It wasn't that what Euodius wanted or Syntyche wanted was so bad. It was that they didn't want the same thing, and so they couldn't be of the same mind. Moderation is what? Knowing that I have a will and a desire... And that my brother or sister also has a will or desire. Moderation is the meeting place of those things. How can I do it? In the Lord. Moderation in the Lord. How can husband and wife get along together? Um, it's not good. That's not a good illustration. Let's go on to the next one. It's not easy, is it? You see, we all have good ideas for what the other people could do to fix their problems. What about your problems? I'm here to tell you the answer is moderation. What is that? Navigating two separate things through the mind of Christ. So what does God want me to do? Well, he wants me to recognize that I've got my desires, but she has her desires. He has his desires. Well, how, what are we going to do? I guess we're at an impasse. No, if we're both saved, we can be of the same mind in the Lord. We can humble ourselves. Motivation continuing on is the believer's bridge between heaven and earth. And I think this is possibly one of the most challenging things because this hits us individually, in, as individuals. Look at chapter 1, verse 23. Moderation is the, is the believer's bridge between heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. Look at chapter 1, verse 23. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart... And to be with Christ, which is far better. Notice, he said, I want to get out of here. It's far better to be with Jesus. To be with Jesus. To be with Jesus. That is far better. And that's what my desire is. Verse 24, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. This bridge between heaven and earth. Paul, this is not just the bridge between Jew and Gentile or the bridge between the lost and the saved. This is, again, an understanding of two truths. One, I am a citizen of this world. That, that, that's, we need to remember that. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. You ought to be thinking about what it means to be a good citizen of America. And you ought to do what you can to fulfill those, those goals that are incumbent upon citizens. But I'm also a citizen of heaven. Look, look what he says in chapter 3, verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven. Our conversation, our life, our routine, our manner of living, our citizenship... It's in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior. Well, I'm in heaven. I don't, I'm not, I don't have time down here to, you know, be concerned with the things of this world. Well, 
Don't forget 2 Corinthians. He said, by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ in Philippians chapter 1. The conversation, my life, my citizenship, what is it? Well, let me ask you this. Why would you have a membership at two gyms? Right? I'm, talk, I'm not talking about one city when you're over there and one here in this city. I'm talking about two, and let's say they're two miles apart. Why would you have that? But, but here's the thing. We're called to have memberships in both places. In fact, we have them. If you're a child of God, you have a membership in both places. See, this is the crux of the Christian life, is understanding that I am here, but I'm not always going to be here. I'm on earth, but I'm also in heaven. Look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Look at verse 29. 729. He said, but this I say, brethren, the time is short. Man, he's getting, oh, this is going to be something here. The time is short. It remaineth. That both they that have wives be as though they had none. Some of you said, that's the verse I've been looking for, amen. <laughs> Though that have, those that have wives be as though they had none. Amen. I'm free as a bird. Ready to live my life. No, I had such a great life when I was single. Right? No, that's not what he said. He says they have wives. But, but be as though they had none. What is he talking about? Well, you know, think about this. If you didn't have a wife, what would you expect from her? You wouldn't expect anything from her if you didn't have a wife. I want you to think about this. If you're married, you know what are the major problems in marriages come from, where they come from? Expectations. I thought you were going to do this. You never tell me anything. We never know anything. We expect. I just wish she would show me more attention and more love and more. I wish she would just take care of my, my, my food and, and make some meals for me. I just wish they back and forth, back and forth. You know, it, it would fix a lot of things if you would think about the fact that you won't always be married to your spouse. Some of you said, hey, man. No, and I'm not talking about wanting to get out of the marriage. I'm saying that you won't always have the life that you have. Why? Your conversation is in heaven. Those that are in, in heaven, they, are married, they're, they're not, they don't marry. They're not given in marriage. When you get to heaven, you're not going to stay with that same person. Why? You're married to Christ. It's a completely different setup. And if that really hurts you, and you, you just don't know enough about Jesus yet. When you know enough about Jesus, you're going to realize every good thing you have in your marriage right now came from him. And you're going to experience that in fullness when you get to heaven. Talking to the believers this morning. You guys okay? Silence froze the bewildered throng. It's probably my preaching. Look what he says in verse 30. And they that weep as though they wept not. And they that rejoice as though they rejoice not. And they that buy as though they possessed not. And they that use this world as not abusing of it. Abusing it for the fashion of this world passeth away. You see, that's the key. When you're crying and your eyes are just red with tears, you ought to be, there's a part of you that's not crying at all. When you're overjoyed with happiness and love, there's a part of you that's a little bit sorrowful. What is that? It's moderation. It's recognizing that things will not always be this way. 
Yeah, we bought it. Finally, it's ours. Or, I mean, the banks, but ours. Right? You know, you ought to be just as glad if you didn't have it. You can use it, but when you get it, as a believer, it's almost as if you don't have it. You say, that's crazy talk. No, it's not. How many of the things that you own are you going to take with you to your casket? When you get put in the ground, how much of your relationships are going to remain so solid with you? None of them. You know what that means? Jesus Christ is all you have and need. When you get on the other side, you're not going to miss anything from this world because everything that was good in this world came from him to begin with. He is the one that's the, he's the father of lights that gives those good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. Believer, the goal of this message is to help you understand that we are to moderate our lives. What does that mean? Well, I should probably cut back on the carbs. Yeah, but why? Why? Yeah, I guess I should be nicer to my brother and sisters in the Lord. But why? I can tell you this, because it all wraps up around the throne of God. It all comes from Jesus. You know why you should take care of your body and, and, and moderate what you take in? It's because this is not your body. It belongs to the Lord. I mean, it was your body. You know, you did everything you want to. But when you get saved, you're bought with a price. You're literally, it doesn't belong to you. Now, this is not popular preaching. We're coming into Christmas cookie season. We've got to be careful here. But you see, that's the reason. That's the reason for the moderation. I want to take you to one more place. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, under this point. Moderation is the navigating of two separate truths. What is that? I'm a citizen of this world. I have normal human emotions, but I'm also a citizen of heaven, and I have the mind of Christ. I want you to show another place that this word is connected. 1 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse number 9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. You see that word modest? That's connected with moderation. It's the quality of being medium. What kind of a woman is modest? Well, we understand, we typically think immediately of what a woman wears. But that's not the number one focus of the word modest. The word modest is the quality of being medium. It's the connecting of two separate truths. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 3. Go back to your right. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 3. He says, Whose adorning, talking about godly women, Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. What's plating the hair? Braiding the hair, arranging it, wearing of gold. You say, well, that, it says right there, he doesn't want us to, to arrange our hair. He doesn't want us to wear jewelry. Well, he also says, or of a putting on of apparel. I mean, I think the Lord wants to put on some kind of apparel. But notice, he didn't say don't do these things. He said, who's adorning? Adorning. That's the word. Adorning. What do you put on your Christmas tree? Ornaments. 
Well, what's wrong with the tree? Leave the tree alone. What's wrong with it? You, not, you took it away from its family, cut him off from life support, and now you're putting all kinds of junk on it. You know what? Leave him alone. You know why? The Christmas trees look better with ornaments. Right? And ladies know they have the ability to adorn, to ornament. They're good at it. But he says, let it not be the outward adorning. Outward adorning, verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. In that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. You see, moderation is the navigation of two separate truths through the mind of Christ. What are those truths? Well, a woman is the most beautiful of God's creation. Amen? If you're sitting next to your wife, this is the time. A woman is the most beautiful of God's creation. <laughs> Let's bow in prayer. <clears throat> the altar's open right here. Right? That's one truth, but can I tell you that's not the only truth that we're navigating. We also have another truth. What is that? The most important part of a woman is not her body, but her spirit. Those are the two truths that a godly woman is moderating. She's not choosing one or the other. She has both. She has physical beauty, but she also has the Spirit of God. And the Lord says, hey, put that physical beauty behind. Not get rid of it. Aren't you glad that ladies don't just say, I'm living for the things of, of, of heaven. I'm not about the things of the world. I'm glad that they're about some of the things of the world. Like makeup, some hairspray, some rollers, amen? If, I mean, I guess that kind of dates me. Rollers, we don't <laughs> roll our hair. Just keep it straight. It's a new style, just like the 70s, where it's straight down. I understand. But it's coming back, just, you know, roll straight, roll curly, big hair, don't care, you know, back and forth. But, but, but ladies, it's not that we, don't, we shouldn't have that. It's that God wants that to take a back seat to the heart. The heart. It's the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Well, that's just, a, that's just a patriarchal society that's trying to dominate women. No, may I remind you that Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart. You know what that attitude is? It's a Christ-like attitude. It's a Christ-like attitude that says, I'm not so concerned about, y'all look at me. It's saying, y'all look at the Lord. He's been so good to me. Hey, there's some women that have, you know, more expensive tastes in clothes. Some have less. And I'm thankful for all the variations. But I will say this. The thing that is most remarkable about any woman is her connection and yieldedness to the Spirit of God. You can't buy it at Ulta. You, you, you cannot buy it on Amazon. There are no beauty products that can give you that. But you can yield to the Spirit of God. That Spirit that God... I'm thankful for the godly ladies in this church. I see what you've gone through, many of you, the difficulties that you faced, and God has been good to you. You've yielded to that, and you've allowed him to work through you, and your beauty shines through. But that's moderation. Moderation. By the way, if you're looking for a woman, you want to find a godly woman, find one whose number one concern is, what does God want in my life? Number two, 
I'm going to take care of what I have. I'm going to dress up. I'm going to take care of my responsibilities. But those things should be a second to their walk with the Lord. Moderation. It's the navigating of two separate truths through the mind of Christ. Back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, as we close this morning. We explained a lot about moderation, but I want you to see the manifestation. He says here, let your moderation be known unto all men. He wants your ability to navigate these two separate truths to be visible and noticeable to everybody. Everybody. Who? Well, both in the eyes of those who know the Lord, both in the eyes of the church, and those who are outside. Let your moderation be known unto all men. What does that mean? It doesn't mean we're supposed to make an ostentatious display of our Christianity. Because ostentatious display would not be moderate. But it is supposed to be visible. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see. Are you a secret agent Christian? If you're not careful, you'll be a devil agent. If you're trying to hide your Christianity, you're doing it wrong. He said, let your moderation be known unto all men. What does that mean? It should be just as apparent that you're a good guy as you are a child of God. You're a guy who's willing to work, and you're a guy who's willing to pray. You're a gal that, that, that loves people, but everybody knows you love God. It's the combination. It's the two great commandments. Love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor. It's the connection of both of those things. He said, by your gentleness, by your boldness, by your sacrifice, your concern for sick people, by your willingness to forgive, by your willingness to speak the truth in love, these are what everybody, lets everybody know around you that you're moderate, that you're navigating these two things. You're the bridge between heaven and earth. Let it be known to all men. And then the motivation, he says, because the Lord is at hand. Now, we think about this, obviously, as the Lord is coming. And that is true. If you expect the Lord to, to come in the clouds of heaven, it will produce moderation in your life. But he didn't say the Lord's coming is at hand. And it is true that the Lord's coming is at hand. But I want you to think about the fact that he said the Lord is at hand. He's right here. His presence is near. The presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never leaving, never forsaking, never abandoning the born-again believer. He is here to help. If you're like me and you see moderation, man, alive, how am I supposed to be able to navigate heaven and earth and lost and saved? Here's how. The Lord is at hand. Remember, this is navigating these two separate truths through the mind of Christ, not through being an amazing Christian. Have you given up on that yet, being an amazing Christian? Well, if you haven't, you should. And in its place, you should say this, Lord, I yield to what you want. I don't know what I should want because every time I try to set it up, it crashes and burns. But I want you, God, to live my life, your life through me. Yield to the Spirit of God. The Lord is at hand. Well, I feel like God is so far away. If you're a child of God, he's not far away. Where is God in the midst of this situation? He's at hand. You know, he said, where two or three are gathered, there am I. Where? 
in the midst. Right in the middle. The devil comes along and says, God has left you. He's not close to you. He's closer to other people, but he doesn't love you. No, 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 no. The Lord's right in the middle. He brings us together. He brought Jew and Gentile together at the cross. He brings lost and saved to him. He, he brought the law and grace and, and, and mercy, kissed judgment in the body of Jesus Christ on the cross. He brings believers together. He brings heaven and earth together. He unites our hearts. He helps us to find that middle ground. I was reading about some Christians who were persecuted in Russia back during the time of Stalin. The secret police had came in the middle of a worship place and they counted and they said, there's 30 Christians here in this place. And he made his list. And one of them said, very boldly, he said, no, there's not 30 Christians. There's 31 people here. He said, what are you talking about? He said, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst. Maybe you've got problems between you and your wife. May I remind you, it's not just you and your wife. There's a third party there. Maybe you've got difficulty at your work. When you count up your enemies and the people that are against you, don't forget to count Jesus. He's at hand. When you look at your life and think, I can't change, I can't fix it, I can't remember, Jesus is right there. On the basis of the truth that he is right there, I'm supposed to let everybody know that I'm a moderate believer. Since the Lord is at hand, I can manifest my moderation. I can be an example of moderating those conflicting desires between the flesh and the spirit. What should I watch? What should I not watch? Where should I go? Where should I not go? I don't know, Lord. What, what am I? You know what? I can let my moderation be known unto all men. Why? Because I'm not making the choice. I'm yielding to his choice. What do you want? And he's right there. What do you want in my life, Lord? I can be an obvious bridge between heaven and earth for those that are without Christ. An obvious bridge. That person knows God. They should say that of me. And I can be an open door between myself and other believers. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Let's bow our heads in prayer.